MSW Media. Thanks to our new sponsor, Mave, for supporting our podcast. Dogs need unprocessed, high-protein, low-carb diets that kibble and fresh foods don't deliver. Make the switch to raw today. Right now, Mave is offering $40 off your first order at meetmave.com slash dailybeans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, April 18th, 2023. Today, there is no settlement in the Dominion Fox News case and the trial starts today. Trump acolyte Ali Alexander has admitted to soliciting nude photos from teenage boys. Senate Republicans are blocking a bid to replace Dianne Feinstein on the Judiciary Committee. Clarence Thomas will amend his financial disclosure forms. And the Speaker of the Tennessee House is breaking the law. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Woohoo! Welcome back. Oh my gosh, it is so good to be back. I missed you. I miss the beans. It, I I just it's weird when I'm when I'm gone for so long, and I hope I can still read out loud. We're going to practice reading out loud today. Yeah, today should be fun. <laughs> today should be fun. So just bear with me. It's been a while since a mic was in front of my face. That wasn't uh, comedy coming out of my mouth. But I'm just so happy to be home. <laughs> There'll still be comedy coming. There's always comedy coming. There will out of still my be mouth. comedy coming out of my face. Yep, we cannot stop the, the face comedy. No, but I hope you had a great birthday, and I hope you had some great time away. I did. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We all missed you very, very much. And uh, I'm so glad you're back. Lots of court stuff going on, including the judge, Dana, in the E. Jean Carroll case, refusing Trump's demands. Like he keeps asking for the jurors' names and he keeps trying to get the jurors' names probably so he can, you know, bully intimidate them, them intimidate them 100 percent pay them off and whatever. And the judge is like, nope, nope. He tried to get the trial delayed because they needed a cooling off period from the arraignment and the media circus that it caused. And it's like, the judge is like, you did that to yourself. You embarrass yourself and uh, refused to delay the trial. So that starts on the 25th still. And there were like reports out last night, like, oh my gosh, the judge in the Dominion case, you know, delayed the trial starting for one day. And everyone's like, oh, are they going to settle? Are they going to settle? Well, according to MSNBC just today on Nicole Wallace, no, there is no settlement. Uh, that th- that's been agreed to. The trial starts today, Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. And uh, it's time travel. And those stories I'll go over in detail on tomorrow's Cleanup on Aisle 45 podcast with Pete Strzok. So I'm looking forward to that. All right. All right, my friend. We have a lot of news to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. First up from Will Summer at the Daily Beast and content warning here for sexual assault on a minor. A key figure in the pro-Trump Stop the Steal movement has apologized after being accused with proof of asking teenage boys for sexual pictures. This is Ali Alexander. He's become one of the most ubiquitous figures in the MAGA movement. Trump himself reportedly requested that Alexander speak at his Stop the Steal rally before the riot, with his appearance only quashed by a last-minute intervention from Trump aides. But this week, Alexander stands at the center of a scandal that raises questions about how powerful men on the far right treat young acolytes. Quote, this is so gay, Ali Alexander said in a statement issued Friday night that addressed the allegations in broad terms. 
Alexander, who's described himself as bisexual in the past, added that he was battling with same-sex attraction, quote-unquote, which, by the way, has nothing to do with assaulting and soliciting nude pictures from teenagers. On Friday night, Ali Alexander, who was questioned by the January 6th committee about his role organizing a canceled rally dubbed the Wild Protest, issued a statement Friday offering a general apology. Quote, I apologize for my inappropriate messages sent over the years, he wrote, adding later, when I flirted or others have flirted with me, I've flexed my credentials or dropped corny pickup lines. Other times I've been careless and should have qualified those coming up to me. My identity, I guess, there's a misspelling here, during flirtatious banter at the start. Now, Alexander didn't respond to requests for comment from the Daily Beast. In his statement, he claimed he had also been targeted by false accusations and edited screenshots of his messages, but declined opportunities to point out which screenshots were not legitimate. Rumors about his alleged sexual behavior toward younger men have circulated in conservative online circles since at least 2015, but they reached a new level last month after Milo Yiannopoulos, or Yann, yeah, is that how you It's Yiannopoulos, he's a piece of shit, but yeah. Like an asshole. After he turned on Ali Alexander, after Ali Alexander and Nick Fuentes pushed him out of a potentially lucrative position in West's nascent presidential campaign. Remember when West oh, was Kanye Yes, West? I do. Yeah. Yes, I do. <laughs> Yiannopoulos started releasing video interviews and other evidence to prove that Ali Alexander sexually propositioned both adult men in their 20s and at least two teenagers. Yiannopoulos, whose own career as a far-right pundit just totally imploded in 2017 after remarks he made downplaying the seriousness of pedophilia, claims he has more damaging videos to release. He has more about Alexander and Nick Fuentes. Yiannopoulos claims he's releasing the video against Alexander because Alexander dropped Yiannopoulos's name to entice young men. I was name dropping him. One screenshot purports to show Ali Alexander dangling the prospect of meeting with Yiannopoulos to a teenage boy. This is 2017. Aiden Duncan, a 15-year-old boy in Colorado interested in right-wing politics, sent Ali Alexander nude photos after the MAGA activist asked him for them. And that's according to an account Duncan gave in a March 2023 podcast appearance. Now, while he was in high school, he was just a sophomore starting out in politics. Ali Alexander was 32 years old with a decade of political work and now was willing to share the connections he had gained through that work with this teenager as long as the teenager met certain preconditions, including secrecy. But in his messages to Duncan, according to the screenshots, there was one name Alexander dangled as a perk for the teenager if he kept contact with Alexander, and that's Milo Yiannopoulos. In a September 4th, 2017 exchange about an upcoming trip Alexander was planning, he purportedly told Duncan he would introduce the teenager to Yiannopoulos and speculated about whether the boy would be Alexander's arm candy and suggested the boy would have to be, quote, entertaining. Quote, rolling with me, he wrote, according to the message, mostly I'll have an entourage. Depends. Ha. I mean, depends. If it's me babysitting you during the day, then no, I don't have kids. If it's something more entertaining, then maybe. All depends on what we're up to. No matter what, I'll let you meet Milo. There's probably five people I'll introduce him to. But who will be my arm candy? The one with me always in VIP and in out? Well, that's to be determined by the boy who plays his cards the most correct. The boy who plays his cards the most correct. Unquote. And then he went on to say arm candy is better than babysitting. Other screenshots show Duncan sending Alexander a picture, which was redacted in the version of the screenshot reviewed by the Daily Beast. Alexander responded with the face with the heart eyes emoji and asked the teenager which app Alexander should use to send him money. 
An undated series of screenshots purports to show Ali Alexander laying out rules for his contact with the teenager, many of them stressing secrecy and a sort of quid pro quo relationship between sexual availability and career opportunities. Everything is secret and private, he said. We are family. Another said Duncan was allowed to say no, but that he might deprive him of something unspecified if he did. Quote, boundaries are cool. You're allowed to say no. However, the less you deprive me of, the less I deprive you of. I'm a big sharing person unless it's not even. Of course, Ali Alexander says he is the victim here. So, A.G., if I can interject for a second before I go into the next one. The stories like this infuriate me because this is a fucking groomer. Ali Alexander is a fucking groomer. This is a 15-year-old boy, and he is using his power to get something from him. That's why I'm so infuriated with people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, her talking about how drag queens are grooming young children. No, they're fucking not. This is a groomer. When I was gone on break, one of my galas was for the Child Rescue Coalition. And I'm going to tout myself for a second. I raised $280,000 that night during my part so that child predators on the dark web would be arrested. That's what this... That's what they do with the Child Rescue Coalition. They use technology to catch child predators on the dark web. These fuckers like Ali Alexander are doing this in broad daylight. This is grooming. Please do not get it conflated. This has nothing to do with the sexual orientation. This is pedophilia. This is a man in power who is older grooming a young boy. Period. The end. Yeah. And I left out the entire screenshots and text messages between him and a 17-year-old boy who yeah. uh, and and you can read all of that in the daily beast article that i've shared on twitter about ali alexander and yeah it's it is infuriating and i'm thank you so much for the work that you're doing helping raise that money to to catch people like this i don't understand how th- how he's not in jail for this yeah honestly. i don't either i hope i hope that he that it happens Thank you for letting me just spout for a minute. I'm just, it infuriates me because the LGBTQ community, somehow the right has taken this word groomer and started using it against us again. And this is a perfect example of what grooming actually is. So, and there's been a lot of it. And like most of the time you see a story these days, it's on the right. It's some Republican, some MAGA, it's some Christian pastor. Mm -hmm. It's not a fucking drag queen. Okay. This is from Judd Legum, and last week, Tennessee House Speaker Cameron Sexton, uh, he's a Republican, he led the charge to expel those two members of the Tennessee House, that was Justin Jones, a Democrat, and Justin Pearson. As we know, both of those gentlemen happen to be black. I'm sure that will come up. Now, Jones and Pearson were expelled for expressing solidarity with protesters in the House gallery who were calling on legislation to take action after a mass shooting left six people, including three children, dead. Now, Sexton, by the way, also voted to expel Representative Gloria Johnson, who's a Democrat, but she kept her seat. That may have caused a big problem. Now, according to Sexton, Jones and Pearson were expelled for breaking, quote, several rules of decorum and procedure by speaking from the floor without being recognized. No one in the history of the Tennessee legislature has ever been expelled for a procedural violation. I think he spoke for 15 seconds longer than he was supposed to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'd like to point out, by the way, that Ted Cruz and Tommy Tuberville exceeded their two hour debate limit on Arizona when they were objecting to the electoral vote count, which not only violated the rules of of the joint session, but also violated the law, the Electoral Count Act. And nobody, you know, was up in an uproar to expel them for debating on the floor too long. Yeah, I know. Yep. The White Hoods in Tennessee are definitely going on right now. That's all I have to say about that. 
But while Sexton is imposing draconian punishment for technical violations of procedural rules, an investigation by popular information reveals that Sexton may be in violation of the fundamental rules of the legislature prescribed in the Tennessee state constitution. Specifically, Article 2, Section 5A of the Tennessee State Constitution, and this states, and I quote, each district shall be represented by a qualified voter of that district. Now, Saxon represents the 25th district, a community located about 115 miles east of Nashville. It's a, it's a deep red district, and in 2022, Sexton won re-election with more than 82% of that vote. Um, there is evidence, however, that Sexton is not a qualified voter of the 25th district. So he's the one that's actually in trouble. Now, on his official website, Sexton lists his address in Crossville as 186 Homestead Drive and a more than 4,000 square foot four bedroom home that sits on more than one acre of land. But according to property records, Sexton sold that house in October 2020 for $420,000. There are receipts. Sexton then purchased this much smaller house, 1,200 square foot, two-bedroom condo in a nearby retirement community. Well, Sexton listed that condo as his residence when he filed the run for re-election in 2022. So under Section 2-2-122A5 of the Tennessee Code, very specific, and this is a quote from that, the place where a married person's spouse and family have their habitation is presumed to be the person's place of residence. Well, Sexton has two children, two adult children from a previous marriage. He has one school-aged child with his current spouse, Lacey. There is a significant evidence, there's significant evidence that Sexton's wife and family do not live in Crossville. So Sexton's youngest child is enrolled at John Edwards Classical Academy, and this is a private Christian school outside of Nashville. Sexton and his spouse are shown regularly attending events on the school's Facebook page. The school is more than two hours from Sexton's purported residence in Crossville. During the legislative session, representatives who live a significant distance from Nashville generally stay in Nashville during the week and they commute home during the weekend. But the Tennessee legislature is only in session from January to April. So according to one of Sexton's Crossville neighbors, he lives elsewhere year round, like he's never there. So the neighbor said that Sexton is only around on weekends, except occasionally in summer when school is out of session. Sexton's presence uh, is is conspicuous because he lives at the end of a small cul-de-sac. And as Tennessee House Speaker, he's often accompanied by law enforcement. So you would see this coming into a (laughs) cul-de-sac. This is a quote. He says he lives here, the neighbor said, but he's not here. Mm. Uh, the, light, yeah. the light is on, but nobody's home. Nobody's home. <laughs> right. So the neighbors shared this information with Popular Information, which is the which is the source we're talking about called Popular Information, on the condition of anonymity because they were fearful of the implications of speaking publicly about one of the most powerful people in Tennessee. Now, Sexton's office did not respond to a detailed request for comment about his residency. While the evidence suggests that he lives in the Nashville area, he still collects tens of thousands of dollars from Tennessee taxpayers based on the premise that he is a full-time resident of Crossville. Now, under Tennessee law during the legislative session, all members receive a per diem expense. This is for meals and incidentals equal to the allowance granted federal employees for such expenses in the Nashville area. Well, in 2022, that was around $79 per day. But the members who live more than 50 miles outside of Nashville are entitled to a much larger per diem, 313 in 2022, to cover the cost of lodging in Nashville. These per diems are also available when the legislature is out of session if a member has to travel to Nashville to conduct official business. It makes sense. 
Sexton has taken the larger per diem, which is pegged to the cost of a hotel room in Nashville. Now, on the form, Sexton claims a round-trip commute, which is 236 miles. During the 2020 legislative session alone, he billed taxpayers $19,000. Now, in total, Sexton may have overcharged Tennessee taxpayers as much as $78,756 since 2020. So Sexton's office, of course, did not respond to a detailed request for comment about his claimed per diem expenses. It sounds like a lot of fucking people aren't claiming shit when they're supposed to. And I know you have another story on that. I absolutely do. But guess what? When you fucking expel the two young black men from your state house, uh, this is the kind of microscope you get on your shit. Welcome. Yep. Asshole. This is the find out part of fuck around. Yes. Now, more on fucking around and finding out or just fucking around because apparently there's no way to find out. Such a schmuck. I'm not even going to call him justice. Clarence, just Clarence Thomas, intends to amend his financial disclosure forms to reflect a 2014 real estate deal he made with GOP megadonor and Nazi paraphernalia collector Harlan Crow. The deal between Thomas and Crow, uh, a Dallas real estate magnate and longtime friend of Thomas, involves the sale of three Georgia properties, including the home where Justice Thomas's mother, Leola Williams, 94 years old, currently lives. The source said Thomas has always filled out his forms with the help of aides. So he's throwing his aides under the bus here. And that it was an oversight not to report the real estate transaction. Seems like if you you aren't a detail-oriented person, maybe you shouldn't be interpreting the Constitution. Thomas believed he didn't have to disclose this because he lost money on the deal, (laughs) according to the source. Wow. Uh, Oh, no, I'm a shitty real estate investor. uh, Thomas will review the forms and amend as appropriate, the source said. Now, there's a reason he lost money on this deal. There's a reason he sold for less, and it's because Harlan Crow is letting his mom live there rent-free. The real estate deal was first reported by ProPublica, and uh, they were, they've been investigating the ties between Thomas and Crow. And according to ProPublica, Crow has given more than $10 million in publicly disclosed political contributions and supported efforts to move the judiciary to the right. Thomas also has come under fire for not reporting luxury travel that he and his wife Ginny took with the Crows, including trips on the super mega yacht and private jet. The justice defended, well, I'm just Thomas. Clarence defended his decision not to disclose, saying in a rare statement that he was advised at the time that he didn't have to report it. Well, can I advise you at the time that you need to stay the fuck out of my uterus? Is that? Can yeah, I do that? I think you should be able to. Yeah. As part of the negotiated sale price on the properties, Williams, who was 85 at the time of the deal, was given an occupancy agreement to be able to live in the home for the rest of her life. She lives rent free, but is responsible for paying the property taxes and insurance. Thomas and his wife put about fifty to $70,000 into the mother's home and capital improvements. And once the sale was completed, Thomas's proceeds were $44,000. Because there was no gain, Thomas thought there was no need to report. But $44,000 is a gain. Section 7 of the Financial Disclosure Form clearly indicates, however, that a transaction needs to be listed irrespective if there was a loss. Thank you so much, A.G. And I think one of the most disheartening parts of the story is that his mom's 94. And not that she's still alive. It's just that means there's better genes in that family than I had hoped. Yeah. (laughs) You can just take that where you would like to go with it at this point. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This last story, and this is from Liz Goodwin at The Post. Senate Republicans lined up against Democrats' push to temporarily replace Dianne Feinstein, as we know, the Democrat in California, on the Senate Judiciary Committee on Monday. 
appearing to doom Democrats' plan to solve the political and tactical problems caused by her extended health-related absence. Feinstein's 89. She's the oldest member of the Senate. She announced last week that she had asked Senate Majority Leader Charles Schumer, Chuck, if you will, to temporarily replace her on the committee while she continued to work from home and recover from a case of shingles. Well, that followed calls from some congressional Democrats for Feinstein, who has been absent from the chamber since February and has provided no return date to resign from the Senate entirely. Now, her absence stalled confirmations of President Biden's judicial nominees, given that only judges with some Republican support can move to the floor without her tie-breaking vote on the committee. But Republican senators spanning the far right of the conference to the middle said Monday they would not go along with the request, with some noting it's unprecedented to temporarily replace a senator on a committee. Mm. Not true. Now, most committee assignments for both Republicans and Democrats are passed without fanfare or controversy by unanimous voice votes on the Senate floor. But replacing Feinstein in the committee would take 60 votes to approve given GOP objections, which means at least 10 Republicans would need to back the measure. Hmm. Yeah. Well, while Feinstein previously said she will not resign before her term is up, Governor Gavin Newsom said in 2021 he would appoint a black woman to fill the role if Feinstein were to step down before 2024, a move that would scramble the race to replace her. Now, a number of Democrats have already lined up to succeed Feinstein. That's including Barbara Lee, Katie Porter, and Adam Schiff. And AG, I know that you've got a theory on this whole thing that you've been, you know, <laughs> spreading on spreading on the Twitter on the Twitters. Well, at first, when I thought that the Republicans wouldn't be assholes, shame on me. Yeah, what were you thinking? And let let us just temporarily replace a, a sick person. I was like, well, just let them replace her on the judiciary. We don't need a major vote in the full Senate because we aren't trying to pass anything between now and 2024. But now that they're blocking her on the judiciary and we need those judicial confirmations. And uh, I think she needs to resign. The only trouble here, and I don't know how to work this out, is that whoever Gavin Newsom appoints is going to have a really strong advantage in the 2024 election which really means the governor is picking our senator and and not the people. And you know me, I like the people to pick our representatives. But, you know, in the face of not being able to get judges put on the on benches, it's it's like I I really now do think she needs to to step aside and and have Gavin Newsom appoint someone to replace her. Yeah. And in the interim, and then that person can run for that seat in 2024, along with the others who also want to run for it. So if, you know, if uh, purportedly, if he keeps his promise, he would, he would nominate um, Barbara Lee. Yeah. And she would have an advantage and which is fine with me. I mean, I, I, as long as there's a, <laughs> a representative Democrat in that seat, I'm, I'm happy. I'm a happy person. I just like the people to be able to select, but when we can't appoint judges, there's a problem. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. All right. So everybody, uh, stick around. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back with the good news. Yay. After these messages, we'll be right back. As a devoted dog owner, I understand the importance of providing my pupa with the best nutrition possible. That's why I was excited to discover Maeve raw food for dogs. Unlike kibble, Maeve's diet is made with real human grade ingredients and is formulated by PhD veterinary nutritionists to meet your dog's needs. Not only is it unprocessed and low carb, but it also promotes better weight management, mobility, and overall health. With Maeve, you can rest easy knowing your dog is receiving the best possible nutrition without the need for any preparation or mess. I love the time saver. I was initially skeptical about trying raw food for Olive, but after seeing the positive changes in my best friend's dog, Marley Moo, I decided to give Maeve a chance. 
What I love best about Maeve is how easy it is to use and the benefits it provides, like improved digestion and healthier skin and shinier coat. Maeve Raw Food for Dogs is the answer to all dog parents' prayers. It delivers high-quality protein, low-carb diets that kibble and fresh foods can't match. Maeve is not only easy to use, but it's also supplemented with seven essential health benefits that promote optimal health in dogs. I went for anxiety. Uh, From reducing itching and shedding to better breath and regular bowel movements, the benefits of Maeve are undeniable. Within 28 days, most dog parents notice a marked improvement in their dog's health. So give your furry friend the gift of a long and healthy life with Maeve Raw Food for Dogs. Make the switch to raw today. Right now, Maeve is offering $40 off your first order at meetmave.com slash dailybeans. Go to meetmave.com slash dailybeans. That's M-E-E-T-M-A-E-V dot com slash dailybeans to receive $40 off your first order. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to play What the Mutt, shout out to somebody you love, shout out to an adoptable pet in your area if you don't have pod pet tax, shout out to a small business or if you're a maker or creator, we'd love to hear about it. Whoopie stories, uh, anything you want. What the Mutt with horses. I'm starting to get good at that. Send Ooh. it into us. Yeah, at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Um, something else I just want to uh, talk about really quick before we get into this. You may have heard I'm planning to go to Netroots Nation this summer. I've mentioned it in passing, but I want to make sure you know all the specifics. If you don't know about Netroots Nation, let me fill you in. Netroots is the biggest gathering of progressives in the country, and it happens each year in a different city. This year's event is July 13th through 15th at the Chicago Hilton. Netroots Nation is for folks like us, activists, organizers, political nerds. People who go to Netroots Nation are from all over the country, people who care about the future of democracy the preservation of democracy, the health of the planet, safety of our children, protecting vulnerable people, dignity for everyone. I think the Leguminati would fit in quite nicely. Now, you'll be treated to a banquet of panel discussions, so delicious you'll have a hard time choosing. There will be training sessions, uh, inspirational keynotes. You will learn a ton. You'll make friends. Maybe we'll get to meet. You'll be encouraged by the great work people are doing. I know activism can be kind of exhausting. Netroots Nation will recharge your batteries. It's so awesome. I'd love it if you would join me in Chicago for Netroots Nation. Organizers have created a discount code for us to get a break on the price of a ticket. So you can go to netrootsnation.org to register and use promo code DAILYBEANS, all one word, to get 10% off your tickets. Let's go to Chicago. So very excited. I love Chicago. It's awesome. Yeah. Netroots Nation. All All right. right. Let's get to these good news stories because I need some from Amber, pronoun she and her. DG. I was so excited and completely surprised to see you walk on stage at the Human Rights Campaign Gala in Houston this weekend. Oh, awesome. I was there reconnecting with a high school friend I'd not seen in 30 years, and I was pumped. My friend was back home to lead some workshops on how to find your voice in conjunction with screening of her film, My Year of Dicks. Yes! (laughs) You guys may have heard the buzz and giggles. (laughs) It was on the Oscar shortlist. She was also in town to support an amazing young activist that won the Trailblazer Award last night. Oh, he was phenomenal. So can I interject in the story just a little yeah. piece? Yeah. So they gave her a shout out at the end of the gala, which is awesome. So if you can go find My Year of Dicks, it's it's really, really good. But um, this young man, the Trailblazer Award, he is fighting the, the all of these people that are trying to ban books in Texas. So he is going and speaking at these like what uh, school board things. He's 19 years old. He's managed to get... 
um, so many books reinstated, and they were trying to block the kid's um, ability to research things online by putting, like, a block on the internet. He got that lifted. Like, this kid is kicking ass in Texas. And so they were honoring him. That's who Amber's talking about. All right, keep going. That's so awesome. Uh, Amber says, it was so great seeing their uh, intergenerational friendship. They have connected on common ground on BS things that existed when she and I were in high school that have gotten worse in today's times. Book banning, body autonomy, the list goes on. They're both fighting the good fight. I'm so inspired to see young people out there really taking an active role to create positive change and engaging with other generations that are just as frustrated with the backwards crap going on in the world. I had an incredible night. I connected with a few old friends, met some wonderful new people, saw amazing speakers, and it was a great topper seeing you perform. Thank you both for all the work you do and helping me stay in tune and informed. Amber, I'm so glad you were there. Thank you for submitting. This is so awesome. Next time, come up and say hi to me. Okay, this next one is from Dan, pronouncing him. Moral objection, bullshittery, and some pod pets to cleanse the palate. (laughs) Hey, AG, as a current employee of your previous federal agency, the Hatch Act, is pathetic uh, regarding social media, by the way. That moral objection language is important. Since Clinton's administration, that moral objection has been upheld. I used to supervise chaplains and would cover their spot in new employee orientation. We continue to be very clear about the fact that a moral objection is your objection. You get the fuck out of the way so that veteran will receive the clinically appropriate medication and procedure. We also tell new employees, if they're working at a smaller clinic, that there isn't another staff person. You really should talk to your new boss about that to the vet so the vet does not go without appropriate care. It is complete fucking bullshit for a legislator to draft laws or a judge to interpret laws based on their moral objection. If you can't be unbiased, then get the fuck out of the way. But here we are. Okay, here's my daughter's big boy, Riley, our little boy, Bootsy, and can you find the stealthiest cat, Baker? Also, excuse the DIY couch upholstery. Pinterest can fuck off into the sun. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, Dan. That was a great, what a great submission. Look at these babies. Look at these puppers. Oh, yep. Pinterest can fuck off into the sun. Oh, Oh that's a very stealthy cat. Oh, yeah. I I don't see the cat at all. No, not at all. Nope, nope, nope. Yes, thank you for that submission. I hate that moral objection bullshit. Next up from Melissa W. On April 15th, I had a mental breakdown and I asked for help, Uh, but I'm on a provincial disability pension, which makes counseling difficult to pay for. I'm having trouble finding acceptance with how I look about nine months after I finished active treatments for breast cancer. I managed to get a phone appointment with the counselor at my local cancer clinic and my parents are willing to pay for a bunch of sessions at a nearby counseling clinic. For a pod pet tax, I'm sharing a dog that needs to either be adopted or fostered In the Abbotsford area, the dog is named Sue, and he's one year old. (laughs) Boy named Sue. He's a Marema sheepdog, Anatolian shepherd. I would have never guessed that. Uh, He needs to have adequate space. He tends to bark at anything with movement, but he enjoys splashing in kiddie pools, taking long naps in the sun, and stomping in every mud puddle he can find. Sounds like a good watchdog. Yeah. Including a link to the boy named Sue, including a photo of Sue at the BCSPCA. And that's adopt.spca.bc.ca. Slash pets slash four eight two nine oh nine. Look at him. Sue <gasps> is beautiful. Look at that boy. Hi, Sue boy. And Melissa, you're a fucking hero for asking for help. That's the hardest thing to do. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. All my thoughts are with you. 
All right, this is from Janice in San Diego, pronouns she and her. Hello, beans queens. Love your show and immediately subscribed. I turned my 80-year-old mom onto your podcast and she listens every day. Although I don't have a pet to share as I put my last cat down in November, I do have my sister's what them up for you. I bought my sister and her husband a DNA kit for their dog for Christmas, and we were all surprised by the results. I hope you do better at guessing than we did. Narrator, we probably won't. He is now two... (laughs) (laughs) He's now two years old and approximately 90 pounds. The pics are of him, Barney as a puppy, with my niece on Easter and with his, quote, dad for size context. Just wanted to say I'm excited to live so close to Allison as I live in Hillcrest. And I, too, live in the back house. Love this area and so glad I share it with one of the Beans Queens. Keep up the great work and we'll continue to listen to try and get others to listen, too. Awesome. Aww, Hillcrest. Janice, maybe we'll run butt. into each other at Moe's. Look at the brindle baby. All right. Oh Vishla. Oh, my God. Vishla. Look at those paws. Pity. Maybe Staffy. Yeah. Maybe even a little bit of Mastiff. Greyhound. Look at that. Because the hips, you see those oh, hips there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yep. On that picture. Aww. Oh. Girl's like cute, a, too. Yeah. Not like to objectify people. Actually, I shouldn't say girl. That human's cute. Yeah, definitely. Janice. Moe's, let's go have some frozen beverages. Oh, I don't see any DNA results. Oh, man. We always happens to us. We're like, we're getting it. We're doing it. All right. right. How many did we get? We don't know. Uh, Well, we're 100% correct as far as I'm concerned. Uh, But Janice, if you want to send those DNA results in, uh, if you didn't, uh, or I I can just poke my producer to see if I can find them. But what a beautiful pup. Thank you so much for that. And yay, Hillcrest. Up from Susan, pronouns she and her. True confession. I've always loved dogs and didn't really think much about cats, except that they were cute and I was allergic. After spending a vacation week on a daily antihistamine with my best friend and her many, many rescue cats, I am hooked. Getting to know them was such a joy, from the ones that snuggled me to one who stayed hidden until feeding time. My daughter now has a boyfriend with three cats, so she's a convert also. As pictured, May played along in the green tape box. Oh, cool. Uh, have, have you been around on the, the tape oh, box? Yes. Okay. Yep. I didn't know how long you've been gone. It seems like years. <laughs> uh, I also included her in her full glory, uh, also with her love bug kitty sisters cuddled together, who couldn't love all that floof. Thank you for all you do. It has to be so much work, AG. You and Dana and the team are very much appreciated. Oh, thank you so much, Susan. All right. Let's see. Extreme gorgeousness right now in uh, from May. Oh, she's so cute. Mm-hmm. The split color chinny chin chin. Excellent view of the toe beans right in the box. So funny. That's fantastic. And look at the pooch there, the belly. Yeah. And snuggles. Thank you for that. All right. This next one's from Elia. Pronounce he, him. I hope I said that correctly. I've got some phonetic spelling there, so hopefully that was right. Now, Sunday night, I finally went to They Might Be Giants concert. I bought tickets for in early 2020. I could rave about the show, but suffice to say, it was amazing. In the banter between songs, John Linnell noted that he had just learned that the, quote, they, tiara, they sell, one of uh, one for each word in the band's name, is popular in the non-binary community. Of course it would be. That's brilliant. John Flansburg's response ended with a shouted, quote, trans lives matter. Awesome. That drew a loud cheer from the crowd. Yeah, that's the right reaction, responded Flansburg. What a great interaction at the concert. (laughs) Yeah, that's them, man. They're so cool. Love it. I happen to know that 
Somewhere in the audience, a good friend was in attendance with his recently out transgender teenage daughter. I don't know what that moment meant to her, but I hope she felt the enthusiastic love and support of thousands cheering for her. Mm. John and John, if you're listening, I want to tell you that as a teenager myself in 1990, uh, Flood was the first album I ever loved on its own terms, not because some song was on the radio over and over, not because MTV told me I should like it, but because of something intangible and resonant. Thanks for the music. Uh, yeah, I, I, it was an absolutely incredible concert, and that's just them. And Flansburg is uh, amazing. Linnell is amazing. And I'm so, so grateful and lucky and honored that they do the music for this show. I really am. It means that's a lot. Awesome. AG, if I can, and I know you usually allow me to do this, this one's a little special to my heart. And I know that Beans listeners always care about organizations, and we've got good news submissions talking about organizations. Well, there's one that's important to me, and a friend of mine's on the board. It's in California. It's a summer camp for LGBTQ youth. Awesome. It's called Brave Trails. Now, they need funding and they need help. And so it's a summer camp in California that you can apply to get into. You can pay if you're able to, or they do give scholarships. So this is why they need help with the funding. So if you would like to donate to something that is really important, it creates a safe space for LGBTQ youth from all over the country, you can go to bravetrails.org and make a donation. I know they could use it. If you're not sure how to help and you know you want to give your money somewhere, Please, it's a it's a reputable it's a reputable site. It's a reputable camp. They have trained uh, counselors, and it's a wonderful place, especially right now for our youth that are getting hammered left and right about their existence and about their worth. And so, this is a good one. This is a good one. It's called BraveTrails.org, and I thank you, thank you, thank you. How fucking cool, you know that that uh, I'm so glad that these spaces and places exist now. Yeah, you know when I when I, th- I think about about a, a summer camp like that, or if I think about what Lizzo's doing, you know, and I, I remember being when I, you know, when I was young, that, that there was nothing like that. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, with thank, if, I'm just so thankful, like to the universe that good people are doing this. And especially in this climate where autocracy is afoot and LGBTQ hate is rampant. Um, and they're using it to, you know, as a, as a wedge, as identity politics and in a way to yeah. get people to hate people, because I guess people are tired of immigration. I so guess there's no caravans. The so that didn't work. Let's use trans kids. Fuck trans all the way off. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's fucking, it's so awful. So awesome. Thank you so much. And that's so cool. Yeah. If you can support that at all, that'd be great. All right. We're going to be back tomorrow. How long, when are you leaving again? <laughs> oh, um, you have me until... Next Tuesday. God, listeners, I'm so sorry. This is just a strange flurry of, of trips. You're going on vacation, though, which is great for like a week of the part of the time I'm gone. But you have me till next Tuesday. Yeah, first week of May will be dark. But hey, you're out there raising $280,000 during your little part of one little thing to to help. I mean, you gotta. Yeah, they use this. Mm-hmm. They use this in ninety different countries around the world. Ninety-seven countries around the world. FBI and police. My friends' family developed it. They developed this software and technology. They give it to law enforcement for free. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing their gala for the last five years, and the people in the room um, from all backgrounds, all backgrounds, Republican, Democrat, they just care about these kids. And it's law enforcement, and I've been able to walk a thin line of really fucking heavy material, AG. Like I cry in every single gala 
Because there's these cops and these FBI's that, you know, guys that they have to pretend to be predators on the dark web so they can get into these rings and these circles. And it it literally destroys their heart, like their blood pressure. They gain weight. They're losing their hair. They're trying to save these fucking kids. And that's why I get so angry with people like Marjorie Taylor Greene. There's so many reasons to be angry at her for because she's just a piece of crap. But this one specifically is really getting me. It's really getting me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for all the work that you're doing. We fully yeah. support it. I know the beans. I know the leguminati does too. So, yeah. Uh, all right. We'll be back in your ears tomorrow. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. Take everyone with you. I've been AG. And I am DG. Hoo-hoo, and them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, Welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis' first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th. Or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.